One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to episode 15 of The School for Dumb Women. To all those haters who said we'd never make it past 14 episodes, what a specific show of disbelief you had. And what better way to prove you wrong than with our best 15th show ever? I'm your host woman, won't spend more than 15 quid on a main course, Hannah Varrell. Joining me today is once ate 15 fondant fancies, Alexandra Haddo. I peed liquid sugar for a week, Hannah. And once group kissed a convict at 15, Carolina Donahue. In my defence, Hannah, prison break was a really big show at the time. I don't understand either of you. Today we're studying design technology, home economics and physics. And by the end of it, you'll be able to make a sandwich out of keys underwater. Hooray! Let's get on with the show. So Alex, this week you're tackling a design technology lesson um, on the very specific topic of keys. Yes, very specific, Hannah, because actually for years me and my friends have talked about things that exist that you think would be obsolete by now. One of them was CDs, which almost are obsolete. Other ones are various medical treatments, like why do we use radiation to cure ourselves of things? <laughs> that seems very medieval. <laughs> and uh, keys, you think they would have moved on by now. Like jagged pieces of metal yeah. that hold the password to enter a building. Yes, exactly. It's fucking mental. Why aren't we all on retinal scans exactly. to get into yeah. every place? Or at I least don't understand. Like cards, like yeah. in hotels. Basically, if someone gets your password, i.e. just has your key, yeah. they can get in. It's so weird. You're so... um aware of how medieval keys are whenever have you ever had to organize one of those um key drop off things where you're like oh i have to go here so um i'm gonna go here and drop off my keys and then you'll pick up my keys and then you'll use my keys to get into my building to get my dog and it's like it's i'm doing a lot of that recently and it's fucking mad yeah it should just be like here's the password yeah 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 yeah. go into my home plug you in as a trusted individual and then my front door will recognize you and be like yeah come on in yeah exactly not just like, like why don't we have flying cars yet you think they'd be here by now. Yes, exactly. It's a tiny piece of moulded metal that you can get from somewhere that also, for some reason, soles shoes. <laughs> yeah. well, that is something I've never understood. Why are shoes and keys? Why are they the things are that they go together? Are they just common just skills? Fiddly, slightly technical. Yeah, and also know. like belts sometimes. And like sometimes there's a dressmaker as well in there. Like they, they yeah. shoehorn, literally shoehorn lots of businesses into that it's one really building. It's really strange. Yeah. Like, oh, I need to get a key cut. Go to Timpson's, the shoe people. Like, yeah. What? yeah. Do you know where <laughs> you need to go? Go to the building. You'll see a little, oh, in the window, there'll be a man, a model of <laughs> <Yes>. man, <laughs> nailing a shoe. With a heel yeah. of a shoe. That's where you get your key. <laughs> the base so- of the model of the man holding a shoe. Yeah, the whole 
thing is so fucking medieval, isn't it? It's, it's like crazy. It's like, oh, um, I need to pick up my post. Oh yeah, just go to that Dorothy Perkins. They'll have it. What? It's <laughs> not even medieval. It's like parallel universe weird. It's like so, in another world, we wear hats on our knees. That's what keys are. Yeah, <laughs> and we have all these key passwords on one key drive key ring. <laughs> and men somehow have like 45 keys on yes. all of their key rings. Yeah. I have like three and one of those is probably obsolete. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I still have all my keys to my old gaffs. Oh, I, I, I never drop them. I never drop them off or give them to the landlady. I just keep them. I guess I can just go into any of my old flats in London. That's yeah. cool. Eventually yeah. you'll have like the key to the city because you'll have just lived everywhere. Yeah, what's well, the like, name? Carolina Donahue, she'll come into your house at night. Um, is... I'm sure you're going to cover this in your research, but do skeleton keys exist? What's a skeleton key? Ooh. I'm guessing not then because a skeleton key is supposed to be this this like a, a key that a, like a policeman owns that can open yeah any... and it can open any door shall I google it right now well I've yeah. done master keys I'd never heard of this mysterious policeman key before yeah a skeleton key or this is from Wikipedia also known as a pass key is a type of master key in which the serrated edge has been filed down so that it can open numerous locks hmm. but is that any door though apparently it's, it's sort of a synonym for the master key Oh, oh right, I've so got master key, key, master yeah. key, Kate Hudson's film. Essentially, when you have a, like a normal key, it's kind of the serrated edges in the key match up with the edges sticking out from your lock. Yeah, sure. to putting it in layman's terms. So you know, it's almost like a lever that pushes down, da- it locks in, and it pushes down on mm-hmm. the bit of your door, and then it swings back your, um, you know, the bolt or whatever yeah. you've used. So in a normal key, the lines match up perfectly. But a master key, there'll be something in the in the keys of, say, everything in the building, where two points are always the same, if you see what I mean. Two oh. points in the jagged edge. And then the master key will work by pulling on those two, which is the same for every apartment or flat or whatever you need the master key for. And that's why they, they have, like, a master key and it works for everything. Because it still focuses on like, enough of a pull. For, for each I one see. but then isn't that couldn't someone get that master key or work out what that master key would be from a key from their flat and be like oh I reckon it's these two points let's try it like in the crystal maze and you're like let's try this combination uh, maybe but I think you'd have to then design the key yeah it's a very specific skill set to be a locksmith, isn't it? How do you qualify to be a locksmith? Do you go and get like a master's in locksmithery or does it go from like one generation to the next? Yeah, passed down. I meant to Google this and didn't, mm. but I did stumble across an excellent article by Reader's Digest um, called 21 Secrets Locksmiths Won't <gasps> Tell You. Naughty. Now, around half to two thirds of this is very technical facts, which I won't bore you with now. But the, one of the best ones was... A lot of us do undercover work for the police. There's a secret locksmith brotherhood. We make keys for them and get them into places at 3am so that they can set up surveillance equipment or put the bugs in place. It's part of the thrill of doing what we do. Oh my goodness. (gasps) That's cool. That's so cool. I'm actually surprised that there isn't more locksmith porn because it's a very... (laughs) You think... think When you say more locksmith porn... (laughs) How much have you watched? No, but you know, like the basic pornography professions are plumber, electrician and pizza boy, right? Yeah. Um, you'd think locksmith would be one of the things, right? It would be one of the cliched porn oh, yeah, roles. Of course, yeah. Then you have still... to be like, oh, sorry, I was just letting myself into your house without no, your permission. No, like, you're like, I'm, I'm locked out and I'm in my nightgown. That's exactly it. Can Fine. You pick oh, right, okay. my lock with your big 
key? It's full. It's full from innuendo. Why yeah. isn't it more of a thing? A key is very phallic. To and a lot. Also, it's just a sexy profession. Like it's rugged, but it's also very like nuanced, detailed as it's well. It's a bit dangerous because you're like, well, they could be a criminal. Yeah, they can get in anywhere. And there is a skill to it. So yeah. you know, it's attractive because they know how to do something that you don't have a clue about. Hmm. God, do you think there's a dating website just where you can meet locksmiths? Yeah, just like lockandkey.com. Ooh, and then the, the, the logo would be like a little heart with the yeah. you know, key going through. Did you ever go to part- lock and key parties? No, I've always wanted to do that, but yeah. I was never single for long What are enough. they? They're like where you go to a, a usually an underage disco, but I'm sure they probably do it for adults as well. Where So let's say um, you had a lock around your neck or a key and then you have to go around everyone in the party. So you obviously have to kind of meet people and you try your lock or they try your their lock in your key. And oh. If it doesn't fit, then you move on and you have to find your lock and key. See, and the then, clever thing to do would be to have a master key and swap it around with your key and then be like, who's the fittest? Oh, oh. go and find you. Master keys are definitely the main theme of this part, this segment because in the 21 Secrets Locksmiths Won't Tell You, they said when you buy a new house, you should always have your locks re-keyed because there's probably a master key out there that can easily open your home. Or there's probably a Caroline O'Donoghue who's still got your keys from when she lived in your flat. That's true. <gasps> Oh yes. my god! Weird. Maybe I'm I'm the mass murderer of tomorrow. Maybe you're Slash the fit locksmith, the porny <laughs> murderer. It's like, oh my god! This is a thriller waiting to happen. No, yeah. it's like one hour photo. Um, keys that are stamped do not duplicate are duplicated all the time. So basically, don't trust keys. Fuck. Um, and another another fact from Twenty One Facts Locksmiths won't tell you. I'm abandoning all my original material for this. <laughs> <laughs> is I, they've seen their share of dead bodies because usually it's a landlord calling oh, oh, to get into an apartment because like, no one's seen the tenant. Well, my landlady died and she left the key in the lock um, from her side, and so they had to yeah they had to break in because they couldn't oh, even shit. pick the lock because her key was in it on the yeah. other side. Oh god, I remember when your landlady died. That was a weird one. It was really strange, wasn't it? Yeah, there was that wake in your house. There was yeah, <laughs> while we were showing new tenants around. God. They also say that they get a lot of calls from um, people that are divorcing because somebody's changed the locks. Oh, classic. So you'll get a call from like the soon-to-be ex-wife or ex-husband being like, I can't get into my house, and it's because they've changed the locks. Alex, as the only single member of the school, I think it's up to you to find a fit locksmith and just be into him. Like if It sounds are, like a really sexy job. If there are any locksmiths out there or if anyone listening knows of any single fit sexy locksmiths, locksmith. yeah, uh, please do get in touch. Oh, yes. Getting a, getting the keys to the city as well. Very strange thing. Yeah. You get like the freedom of the city. Such an ancient... Yeah. Do you get an actual key? Um, you do, but it doesn't actually open anything. Oh, it's just so like it's a novelty, symbolic. novelty key. But it's symbolic of when cities had walls. Oh, that makes sense. Hmm. Oh, so it really only opens one thing. Yeah. I always thought of it as a master key to like everything. Yeah, everything in London. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> that is also what I thought it was as well. Like you, were being, you were being trusted so much that you could open any yeah, key. Yeah, you can go into like... Why did know. we both think that? Was it in like some TV show or something? Probably The Simpsons. Yeah. There was a great master key episode of The Simpsons when Ralph and um, Ralph and Bart yes. had a master key and they yes. went into the old prison and they turned on the electric chair. It was really good. It was a great episode. I'm just picturing Sadiq Khan, Mayor of London, like in Canning Town at 2am, being like in like a random apartment block, being like, I can open any of these doors. Like the Hamburglar is the little thing. Yeah. Right? <laughs> His wife's like, Sadiq, please, can we just have dinner? No, I'm going out to Kensington. <laughs> these guys have already cooked dinner. It's in their freezer. So yeah. we can just... <laughs> I'll get that. 
with my key to the city. <laughs> By the way, very quickly, because we like doing game shows now, guess where keys are thought to have originated? Rome. China. No. The no. Persian Empire. Mm, closer. Oh. Second in line was obviously the Egyptians. Sure. Sure. But the earliest known lock and key device was discovered in the ruins of Nineveh, the capital of ancient Assyria, now known as Syria. Oh, oh. clever bunch. I know. So, little bonus point there. But I'd like to end on this very interesting fact that I found out about keys. Well, it's actually sort of not about keys, but it happens every night at the Tower of London because, you know, we are a country that voted for Brexit and lives in the 14th century. Mm-hmm. Um it's called the Ceremony of the Keys. Happens every single night, Tower of London, and has done in some form or another, oh, since the 14th century. Um, at exactly 9.53pm, the chief yeoman warder, dressed in a Tudor watch coat, no. meets the military escort made up of members of the Tower of London Guard. Together, they secure the main gates of the tower. Upon their return down Water Lane, the party is halted by the sentry and challenged to identify themselves. Oh, come on. Halt! Who comes there? Chief Warder. The keys. Sentry. Whose keys? Chief Warder. Queen Elizabeth's keys. Identifying the keys as being those of the current monarch. And then he just has to say, pass Queen Elizabeth's keys. All is well. (laughs) Oh my God. What is happening? See, that story would be completely cute if you weren't reminded that, like, the taxpayer is paying for both of those salaries. Oh, yeah. What? Why? Why are we paying for that? Who is that for? Yeah. So then they walk what down a little way. What spectacle is that for? Is they, it, can you even watch it if you're a tourist? I don't know. Or but it just you happens kind of, between two men and a set of keys. Yeah. Then they just then they just like walk down the tower or something, and then the, one of them says, "God preserve Queen Elizabeth," or you know whoever. Sentry. Amen. He then takes the keys to the Queen's house, which is like not the not Buckingham Palace, like a place in the Tower of London called the Queen's House right. for safekeeping whilst the last post is sounded. Oh my god. <gasps> That's dumb. We're ridiculous. Fuck. Make yeah. England great again. Please. You guys. So yeah. What the hell's up with the old country? I know. So basically what we've realised is that when it comes to keys, we're stuck in the past, but also we would watch locksmith porn. Mm-hmm. Yep. Fine. <laughs> So as diehard fans of the show know, last week we had a week off. And let me tell you, the coding mixer last week was wild. Unfortunately, we drank so much that we've completely forgotten what happened. But we did wake up in our hotel room with an adult heron. (laughs) (laughs) I loved that guy. The wildest thing, though, was that there was in fact zero coding mentioned. This week, however, it's business as usual, because you don't see men ever taking a week off, do you? No, we don't, to be fair. Men never take a week off. Never. No. They go on holiday with their laptops. Yes, they do. That's all a long-winded way of saying, it's time for the Women Who Code Mixer. Yay! I've got my cocktail dress on. And I have a lanyard. In this week's Women Who Code Mixer, we're discussing how smart women can use geo-blocking. So what do you both know about geo-blocking? Have you heard of it before? Well, I um, sometimes geo-block when I'm out with Alex and there are some men paying her attention and it makes me feel insecure. So I just insert myself in the conversation until the man goes away. And then nothing else is inserted. Nothing else. No, because you must only look at me, Alex. Okay. Well, that's nice. I think like the female equivalent of a geo-block is a fanny fence. Oh, yeah, I like it. Mm. It sounds very equestrian. 
Yes, it does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is exactly the sound I always think my vagina would make yeah. if, it, if it had a voice. I think it would be like a, a, a soft braying neigh. <laughs> <laughs> I think mine would be like, ooh. <laughs> well, like a little moomin waking up from a nap. Yeah. Ooh, what are we doing? Ooh, what's all this? I live under a bridge. Ooh, give me some cheese on toast. <laughs> I think geo-blocking is that thing where you only wear items of clothing that are like one colour. So like no floral prints or jazzy oh, bits. Yeah. Is that? Lots of different greys. Yeah, people are like geo-block for autumn, you know, that sort of thing. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, in some ways it is both of those things, but also it's uh, not either of those things. Oh. Uh, mm-hmm. So to explain what geo-blocking is, I looked on Wikipedia, like most good mixer hosts tend to do. Mm. And Wikipedia said that geo-blocking is a form of technological protection measure where access to internet content is restricted based upon the user's geographical location. Oh, so like when a website says... This video is banned in your country. That's exactly. geo-blocking. Oh, all the time. Whenever anyone's done like a good sketch on some mad oh, TV show, yeah. like remember, like every few minutes, the Amy Schumer show would have like a viral sketch, and you couldn't watch it anywhere. Yeah, yeah. It was so annoying. So, in a geo-blocking scheme, the user's location is calculated using geolocation techniques, such as checking your IP address against a blacklist or a whitelist to check if you're allowed access to the content. <gasps> oh. And what you can also do is use a VPN or virtual private network to change your IP address so it'll say you're in America and you're actually on your sofa in Stoke Newington. Oh, mm. boys do this a lot so that you can watch American Netflix. Yes. I do it, yeah. It's, um, it's the, the toolbar is called Hola or Ola if you're Spanish. <laughs> Great. And yeah, you can watch all kinds of shit in America. So it really makes you very angry about their better things that they have. Caroline, don't. can I tell you a secret? Mm? You've been coding. You know. All this time. Me? You've been coding, yeah. Fuck. Oh my God. Yeah. Bring out the good champagne. Hey. Uh, I think the other thing is if you're wearing a slinky dress, you obviously don't want a VPN, actually. Um, and if anyone does want a recommendation for some very nice no VPN knickers from MS, then I'll put a link up on our Twitter. Oh, mm. please. Yeah, I've always got it. So I'll take that from you. Thanks. I feel like we're grasping these quicker and quicker as the mixers get shorter and shorter. Yeah, I'm also making them simpler and simpler. Mm. So uh, Thank you, Hannah. Oh. Thank you for talking down to us the way a good friend does. Yeah. Works in so many ways. Getting dumber by the week. Seamless knickers always look a bit like ham, don't they? Yes. <laughs> they do. They're the weird curvy edges or yeah, something. Yeah, they like yeah. flick up a bit. <laughs> They're so weird. Caroline, your segment this episode is about the best things since... Since... Sliced bread! Which is sliced bread. Yeah. I'm talking to you today about some sliced bread. Lovely. Um, So I had this idea when I was at home alone the other day and I bought some crumpets. Excellent. Delicious mid-morning snack. A real good 11s is is crumpets. Mm. I love a crumpet. Yeah. But obviously uh, you can't have crumpets without toasted crumpets. So I was putting my crumpets into my toaster and um, they wouldn't fit. So I start, I literally started smashing them with my fist. I started bawling my fist <laughs> and smashing, my, like punching my crumpets. Like so, flattening them. Yeah, flattening them okay. to make them small enough to fit in my toaster. And then I, I shoved them in there and then uh, they got caught in the side of my toaster and then they got shredded a bit and I had to like unplug the toaster and take oh it out no. with a fork. You're having a nightmare here. A nightmare. What began as a lovely mid-morning snack is becoming a living nightmare. Like yeah. it's it levels of terror. Yeah, um, I can imagine. 
and then I'm fucking I'm stuck with this horrible Bernie thing and then obviously every subsequent toast after that is like Bernie because you can't get all of the the burnout the burnout yeah Yeah, exactly and I was like so I was fuming I was like why why is this so small and then I was like oh because of sliced bread right because toasters must be built after sliced bread mm. yeah, and therefore and it must have been standardised at some point or another that they become that size yeah. and then at that point I literally threw myself across the room to get to a pad and paper so I could write down dumb women sliced bread and now I'm here <laughs> that, talking about friends, sliced bread is the creative process it is start yeah. to yeah. inspiration it's mm. generally eating a lot of burnt carbs standing up in your kitchen close to crying mm. and then you get an idea um, so we all heard the phrase before, best things in sliced bread. Yeah. In my opinion, it gives actual bread a bit of a shit name. Yeah. You know? Yeah, because usually if it's not sliced, it's usually decent. Right? Yeah, right? It yeah. makes it makes quality. non-sliced bread sounds like it's like fucking Jermaine Jackson or something. Yeah. Well, actually, non-sliced bread is the Michael Jackson. Jermaine, if you are listening, we mean that. <laughs> is is Your Majesty Jermaine's kid or... Yes. Yes, yeah. he is. <laughs> That's a thing that's happened. Well, Jermaine and Your Majesty, I embrace you both, as I do, bread. Right, so? So bread is the oldest kind of food technology that we have. Uh, you know, it's in the Bible, making it pretty old. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah obviously, true. the early kinds of bread were like flat, unleavened bread, and we still have that kind of, we have like roti and that kind of stuff today. Mm. Um, so they kind of developed yeast and leavened bread much later on, kind of in the Neolithic period. But the thing is, is that bread takes fucking ages. Have you ever made bread? No, but I know people that have and they've gone through hell and high water. For it's them. really, really hard. Um, when I first went freelance, before I got the dog, I got really into bread making for a while because I needed something that sucked up about three or four hours of my day. Yeah. And it literally takes three or four hours of your day because you have to like do the do the dough, obviously, but then you have to leave it to proof somewhere, which means that it kind of like doubles in size and then you have to go back to it whatever um so it's really really hard to make your own bread so when mass-produced bread came along in the kind of mid-19th century it was great for everybody but they didn't know that sliced bread was just around the corner (gasps) (laughs) Um, so the first effective bread slicing machine was invented in iowa by otto frederick rochweider Oh, I was hoping it was going to be called, like, Red Slicer. <laughs> Red Slicer. Yeah, I mean, that name sounds suspiciously German, and you would think a French man would come up with something like a bread slicer. But anywho... No, because the French just break it they off just with their Oh, yeah, they do. They have the baguette you don't need to slice. No, That's you true. must you just not. break it off in big French yeah. chunks. Put it in your lover's mouth with some chocolate. <laughs> Yeah, on reflection, that sort of like the Germanness really makes sense. Mm. It's kind of mechanical. Yeah, I don't want like, to be cutting each slice of bread. I, I want, want all be... of the bread to be sliced at once by a machine in equal parts. <laughs> but Hans, we lose our humanity every Shut time it, we Helga. slice the bread. No, I'm sick of it every day and night slicing bread. I want our lives back, Helga. <laughs> I want to make love to you again under the stars. <laughs> After a cheese and ham sandwich. (laughs) That we don't spend all night carving. There's fucking bread in the way. (laughs) The bread has ruined us, Helga. How much bread are these couples splicing? The loaves are huge, bigger than the house. (laughs) I don't know why you order them. You need to stop. (laughs) We're sleeping on slices of bread. (laughs) 
Anyway, um, Otto invented the bread slicing machine in 1928 in Missouri, and the local paper ran a front page story on it. Oh. And nothing has happened in that particular part of Missouri ever since. So they like every couple of years, they're like, "Oh, it's the it's the 70th anniversary. It's the 85th anniversary." I think that's really Aww. good though. Like, I'd be proud of that. I would stop trying to do anything. Really? I mean, I, I invented sliced bread for fuck's sake. I mean, but the whole, the whole region celebrates it. The whole region is like giving up on any further innovation because one guy in 1928 sliced something that already exists. Uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I bet the guy that maybe invented not. that jazzy thing that like cut, um, cuts your apple up into eight pieces was expecting like worldwide fame. <laughs> yeah. But he's just got like a little patent on Amazon and he makes like 12 quid a yeah, day. Yeah, or all those people who keep coming up with new ways to poach eggs. Like yeah. you see yeah. those fucking contraptions every time you go yeah. to the supermarket is a new way to poach eggs yeah. and they all are shit. Yeah, they're all shite. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, this guy invents the sliced bread but even then this is like a machine that slices bread so you go into the bakery it slices it all up they give it to you kind of thing Mm. so it's just an extra step and everyone's delighted and uh, around that time there was like a huge spike in uh, preserves and jams and stuff Mm -hmm. so bread's being sliced thinner because it's being like standardised so people are eating more slices of bread so they're like variating like what they're putting on their bread at the same time which I think is kind of fun and cute as someone that has used a bread slicer on the reg, I can mm-hmm. confirm that it's very satisfying. They're very fun. Yeah. Yeah. I used to use one at Greg's every Saturday. It's my Saturday job as a child. Oh, yeah. Mm. And then you just slide the bread. Like, you know how you'd hit a typewriter and it goes like... Oh, it's so good. You hit the bread like that and it goes into the bag. Oh, yeah. It's, it's good to watch. Yeah. They have them in um, Little, actually. Do they? They have, yeah. Probably, to, a, probably to buy bakery. as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what don't little sell? So the common phrase, best things in sliced bread, that didn't actually come when that auto guy invented the bread slicer. That came when Wonder Bread invented the kind of mass-produced bag of white bread that we kind of know so well today. Oh. Um, so it was pre-wrapped, pre-sliced. You didn't have to go to the baker's. You could just get it in a random shop or whatever. And um, that kind of started in the 1930s and... They had to sort of really market it at people because if you think about it, um, sliced bread like that, individually sliced it in the bag, that should lose moisture quicker. Because, you know, when you leave a slice of bread out, it gets really dry really quickly and it becomes really husky. So people were like, really, oh, God, no, it's going to be disgusting. And they they had to do this big advertising campaign to make people buy it. And that's why it was called Wonder Bread and the best things in sliced bread and everything. And it was all sort of part of this idea. Like, have you ever seen um, Charlie Chaplin's Modern Times? No, no. You probably know the um the main kind of scene in it, which is like he's you know being pulled through a big machine and like he's being fed by the machine and dressed by the machine and oh, he's being yeah. pulled through all these cogs and stuff. It was a really famous scene that gets referred to a lot about the thirties because there was this kind of dual fear and excitement about everything in our lives being machinated yeah, you know what yeah. I mean like we, we've had the industrial revolution but the 30s was this huge time of like oh every let's see how far we can push yeah. machines being in our lives it was really experimental um, so they they kind of sold in sliced bread based on this concept and every time a new product was like oh it's the confabulator yeah. <laughs> it straightens out your end of your shoes kind of thing um, <laughs> whenever anyone tried to make a big pitch for like here's my new machine it was like it's the best thing since sliced bread so based off the success of sliced bread they were like here's a new wacky invention I've just patented and that probably does nothing oh so it wasn't because people were like I love sliced bread this is so great it was just because it was like futuristic and weird and it worked 
Yeah, essentially. It was just one of the many sort of like pitches for new things that just worked. Wow. So it was like yeah. olden day Don Draper's have convinced us. Yeah, you, yeah. I, I haven't seen all of Mad Men, but it totally seems like a Mad Men episode, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. And during World War II, they had to stop the production of sliced bread in America because um, there was a steel shortage. And uh, yeah, they had to just, people had to go back to old No bread sliced bread. Ways. They oh. couldn't use the phrase, the best thing since sliced bread. Not for like three years. Without three bursting into years. tears. <laughs> Without bursting into tears because <laughs> they had to cut their own bread. Oh. There was like, Actual people really, really annoyed about this. Um, there was even this woman who wrote to, I think it was the New York Times. I don't have the quote with me now, but she was like a housewife and she was saying like, I have one husband and four children and they they all need lunches every day and I eat toast after they go to lunch. This is, she like literally calculated how many slices of bread she was slicing a day. And she her ending argument was like, don't you think the morale of this country is more important than a few steel, <laughs> steel oh, wow. rations? Yeah. What was her name Helga and was she married to <laughs> Um, Yeah, but then eventually, uh, because some bakeries, they had uh, bloody slicers already, they started like illegally slicing. (laughs) And then the the other bread people were like, well, they have an unfair advantage and we're going out of business because they're slicing their bread and we are not allowed to. So then eventually they had to end the the slicing ban. So it's like a black market, like someone would corner you in a back alley and be like... I can get you two loaves of sliced granola. Yeah. <laughs> oh God, I need it. And here's a fun fact to end on. Uh, if you need to be even more grossed out by sliced white bread, is that they used it to clean the Sistine Chapel. What do you mean? They they dipped it in water and they essentially use it as a sponge to get all the blemishes out of the Sistine Chapel because it was so, like gentle enough. Because it gets when it's wet, it becomes so spongy, and it's like a gentle way to draw out impurities and dirt and stuff. But then you've got bready walls. You've got so bready walls. Don't they go mouldy? I guess you don't leave the bread on the wall. No, though. you don't. Yeah, but you're you still getting bread bits everywhere. Well, I don't know. You'll have to ask them, I suppose. Yeah, I will. But apparently, <laughs> they, I mean, they've been using bread to clean Fourth them with. since like... They've been using bread to clean the Sistine Chapel since like the 14th century. But when sliced white bread came out, they were like, oh, this works even better. Because it's even like more nothing yeah. than normal bread. God, I really want some toast. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more 
and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. So my segment this week was a listener submission from friend of the podcast, Amy Jones. Here's what she asked. Hi Dumb Women, my name is Amy Jones and I have a question about swimming or like lots of questions about swimming. I just don't get how it works. Like how does the breaststroke thing, how do my legs make me move? I don't understand. And how do I float when I just don't do anything? What is it about me that floats? Like I'm quite heavy, how does the water hold me up? I just don't understand about swimming. Please help me be less dumb. Thank you. Yeah, great questions, Amy, particularly the floating question. I always wonder that as well, about how sometimes when you hold your breath in a certain way, you can kind of float. What is it? When you hold Same. your breath, you can float and you release it, you sink. But also, why do some people float so easily and some people can't make themselves float? Some people are way more buoyant than others. Like my dad always jokes that he's like a cork because he literally can't really make himself stay underwater. Guys, I have answers for both of those questions. But first, I want to ask you, when was swimming invented? It was always around, surely. Yeah, I mean, the first time somebody fell into some water, I guess. Yeah. That's when it was invented. Since prehistoric times, the earliest records of swimming date back to Stone Age paintings from around 7,000 years ago. Hmm. Yeah, very good, isn't it? Um, And the thing that makes us float is the fact that our body has a relative density that is less than the density of water. So, you know, when you put like olive oil on top of the water in the pasta thingy and the olive oil floats Mm -hmm. that's because oil is less dense than water sure so So we're less dense than water yeah but we're quite watery inside yeah i know you'd think that we'd be more dense than water surely but we're not wow yeah and some people are more floatable than others um, and it's all to do with kind of how your body like what your body is made up of because your muscles are really dense your muscles are probably denser than water right but fat is lighter than water. And so the normal human with a sort of average body composition, yeah, is less dense than water. But if you have lots of body fat, you will float more easily. Oh, sorry, Dad. (laughs) Um, And if you have less body fat, you will sink more easily. Oh, now I'm going to try that next time I'm in the pool. Yeah, but also the amount of air that you have in your lungs, I think, does make a difference too. Because obviously, yeah. you know, that's that's then part of your body composition. Mm-hmm. And air is very much less dense than water. Yeah. So that's why. Huh. Wow. So yeah, you kind of would think if someone's, you know, heavier, they wouldn't float as well as someone who was lighter and sort of more bird-like, mm. like you, Alex. I'm very bird-like, mm. yes. But actually, yeah, you're denser. So uh, there you go. So I'd probably good. sink. Mm. No, I'd probably float. No, you'd sink. You'd sink, I'd float. Because uh. I've got massive big titties. And actually, yeah, you're, uh, the boobs, because they're just fat, pretty much, Yeah, would help you to float. Oh, wow. Buoyancy aids. Oh. Guys, you guys can have the lifeboats when the next Titanic 2.0 goes down. Oh, thank you. I've got these big old titties. I'll just be like in my nice warm boat and you'll be next to me, but in the water. Yeah. Boobs up. <laughs> and I'm like, don't worry about Caroline. <laughs> she'll, she'll, we'll just tag her along. She'll float home. <laughs> yeah. And your legs are the most dense part of your body because typically they, that's not where you store your fat, is it? Yeah, that's And true. you don't have air in your legs particularly. Yeah. So, so, you know, if you kind of were like, 
just plopped into some water, you'd probably like your chest and your head would probably sort of float, yeah, float more. Yeah. Yeah. And your lungs are in your chest. So exactly. Um, and I always thought because when I was learning to swim as a as a young young dumb woman, um, I was always taught like when you're on your back and you're trying to float on your back, you have to push your stomach up. And I always thought that was because you sort of had air in your air in your chest and air in your stomach, maybe that, and then you sort of pop that up. Yeah, and then is that not let what the rest it is? of you float. No, it's it's more about um, the balance actually, oh. and kind of finding the equilibrium of that bit where like you're not going to like spin around when you're in the water because you know if you like tucked your knees in. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You might sort of like dip forwards. Yeah. Mm. So it's kind of about finding that balance. Um, and there's a thing called neutral buoyancy, where the physical body's density is equal to the density of the fluid in which it's immersed. So, like, if you're somehow, you know, part of an experiment where you've been made in a test tube and mm-hmm. then put in a kind of pod of water with yeah, fluids, got it, and you're just floating in that water. Sure, I've if seen you're not, science fiction. Yeah, if you're not going up or down, then that's because you have neutral buoyancy. I feel like Jeff Goldblum was in this. Yeah. Yes, this feels very Jeff Goldblum. Mm, this is very absolutely. much his oeuvre. Yeah. yeah. It's his him, next him film, like, in naked, fact. but curved up in a way that disguises his dick and balls. Yes. In a little <laughs> faintly green test tube. Yes. Yeah. Would, yeah. And it's called The Boy, but it's spelled B-U-O-Y. Oh. Mm. Well, Good boys film. would have positive buoyancy um, because Oh my they... God, a boy is called boys because of buoyancy? Yeah. Oh I my guess. God. That's so obvious and yet I just thought about it for the first time. Oh my God, it, I've just got it as well. Yeah, you just confirmed <laughs> it. No, I thought you were asking something else So I just and I just said yes and then I've computed what you said <laughs> and now my mind is blown. God, the mind is a great thing. I've cracked it. Why have we never thought of that before? Yeah. Anyway. And uh, if you have negative buoyancy, then you'll sink. And interestingly, that's a good fact, the human brain exhibits neutral buoyancy because it's suspended Ooh. in cerebrospinal fluid. and Jeff Goldblum's in there somewhere (laughs) so Amy's question about uh, like why when she does the frog legs thing which I assume she means uh, breaststroke why does it push her forward it's because um, there's loads of forces basically acting on you when you're swimming because there's the buoyancy thing and then there's like drag from the water and then there's thrust from you moving your arms or like kicking your legs up thrust up thrust exactly which I believe we spoke episode about one. in episode one. Hmm. Oh. And um, there's kind of too many forces for it to be interesting for me to describe it right here. But um, essentially, when you kick back or like put your arms back in the water, you move your body forwards. Yeah. And that's how that works. Little quiz. <gasps> I love a Ooh. quiz. How many swimming strokes are there? <gasps> oh, 71. Five. Name them. Breaststroke. Butterfly. Backstroke. Diving bell and the butterfly. <laughs> Front crawl. Yes. Well, traditionally, there's like kind of four big strokes. Um, but actually, there's loads more than that, which I didn't even realise. There's one called the octopus, <gasps> which I realised I do. What's that? I, what? I really like doing it. So I sort of float on my back, but with my head like properly out of the water and my legs a bit down. And then I just sort of like... Oh, so like Yeah. Oh, that's nice. I didn't know there was a name yeah, for that. Lovely. I didn't know there was a name for it. I thought I was just swimming badly. But oh, there's a name for that's it. That's fun, though. I like that. Oh. Yeah, I like that too. So, how many are there precisely? Oh, I don't know. Loads. Oh, okay. So, I'd say I was correct then. 71. 
Yeah, well, yeah. fine. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. more than five. So I would say that um, on the list of skills that impress me, um, locksmithery, obviously number one. Yeah. Number bread like, slicer number two. Yeah, yeah. bread mm-hmm. slicer number two. Number three, someone that can do butterfly. Yes. Remind I'm I don't really know how to swim properly. Um. So, what is a butterfly again? So when you move your arms and your legs at the same yeah, time. Yeah. And and it's like both arms over. Oh, like that's, that, that, that freaks that me out. And then, and then your body is like doing this. It's fu- and your and your feet are together. Yeah. It's like that's why their arms are huge because they're basically propelling themselves like that. Yeah, they're mad. Yeah. But to be honest, even the standard whatever that stroke is where you're front you're, crawl yeah where your arms go over your head really fast and make yeah. a big wave like I think that looks mad I don't know how that works yeah, I never yeah. do that now I'm just sick of the breathing thing like, just I never do got the breathing thing just yeah. do breaststroke yeah. right yeah. It's, nice, it's a nice way to enjoy being in the water yeah. keep your hair dry yeah. I can kind of do breaststroke but even then I can't really get my legs to do the frog thing properly oh really I don't feel like I'm ever doing it properly do you oh, know what well. I mean when you do something a lot but you still are kind of think you're doing it wrong in that case yeah. your boobs won't save you and you will drown on uh, Titanic okay. 2 <laughs> no Titanic 2 <laughs> I always knew I'd be the Leonardo DiCaprio of Titanic 2 and this only proves it further yeah well I've always said that about you <laughs> yeah that's true um, one thing you could do if you want to improve your swimming uh, is shave all your hair off Oh yeah, so, oh, yeah like the, the Olympians, they do that because once you get to a certain level, you're like you, you've kind of completed swimming, and it's like, well, how do you, yeah, how yeah. do you nuances after that point? Isn't yeah, it? yeah, exactly. How do you get the edge on someone else? And you can, yeah, you can shave your hair off, and it, um, it's like scientifically proven to increase your time by like infinitesimal amounts, but still that helps when you're an Olympian. Um, but also, I found one website that said that actually uh, it feels great. Wow. Apparently. Which I guess makes it you ever shaved your legs and then gone swimming? I don't know that I have. No, but I've shaved my legs and then done like things and it always yeah. has improved, isn't it? Like even feeling like shaved legs against sheets is lovely. Oh, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Against yeah. fresh sheets. And that's because you've taken the hair off, but also like one or two little layers of old dead skin and stuff. Oh, sure. Um, so you're a bit more sensitive. And, and someone was saying online that maybe it's the feeling of like kind of exciting pleasure of like oh I feel like I'm going faster because I can feel the water more yeah that mm. gives you endorphins that makes you go even faster <laughs> or you like more at, at one with the water like a seal exactly yeah mm. I'm just picturing like an Olympian fit with like a rival being like Mary shave me again <laughs> oh my god no <laughs> I'm that- not fast enough shave me again no that's thing Han. the website also said in its kind of advice at the end, it was like, oh, look at the things you can do to make yourself swim faster. One of them was get yourself a shaving partner. Oh. Because you don't want to you don't want to be like shaving your back and like crick your crick your shoulder or something and then you can't swim. You need a shaving partner. So you need a shaving partner, yeah. Even better, just fill a bath with like veet and get in. <laughs> oh, it stinks. Do you know what we have to do for each episode? Veet and how it works. Oh, it yeah. just literally dissolves you in acid, doesn't it? Oh. You'd emerge like a newborn bald baby. Oh. oh God! Yeah. So basically, you float because uh, your body is less dense than the water, and you move yourself along by using forces and physics, Great. and shaving creams, and making yourself smaller by shaving yourself <laughs> thinner. Yeah. Such a weird idea. Shave yourself thinner by Paul McKenna. <laughs> <laughs> Number one on Amazon. <laughs> Thank you. 
So it's nearly the end of the podcast, but just before we go, it's time for our smart lesson. Now, this week's smart lesson is all about how when you're a smart woman, you won't be taken seriously unless you are trendy. Mm-hmm. And now that we're entering into autumn, that means pretentious coffees, gravy for breakfast, and a whole lot of Uniqlo thermal wear. It also means that we have to buy a lot of grey and navy polar necks and then call it 70s inspired. Oh, didn't you hear? There's new autumn winter trends now. I have a checklist from L.com about what the trends are this year. Do you want to hear? I am very excited. Absolutely. I'm going to tick off the trends that I embody. Cool. I mean, this first one's a total fucking cop out. The colour red. I have a red polar neck. Oh, hey, you do. Bringing that out tomorrow. I mean, I feel like red's always around in like November, yeah. December anyway. It's Christmas, whatever. It's like fashion magazines. I do love monthly fashion magazines a lot. But um, I do enjoy when they say something is a trend when actually it's a necessity. Like, this year, shoes. Yeah. <laughs> Coats are the thing for yeah. December. Yeah. Write yeah. down, ladies. items. Yeah. <laughs> But aren't um, we meant to wear red as women anyway because it makes us more dangerous and therefore we'll, you know, get further in the boardroom. Yeah, and also because men's vision is famously very bad. Yeah. Um, like, you know how in the noughties uh, women would wear a lot of beige and pink? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like J-Lo, always the beiges and pinks. Yeah. That was to escape the gaze. Oh, oh I like see. Ja Rule. Very good. Yeah, yeah. Ja Rule, no objectification in the 90s. Exactly, no. none famously. Yeah. Women just grazed freely in parks. <laughs> yeah. Eating... Succulent grass and walnuts. Krista Berg didn't sing Lady and Peach, did he? He didn't, because men can only see see the colour red. He couldn't see her. Yeah. That's why the race cars are always red. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's the only colour they can see. Next on Elle's trend list is vintage-inspired furs. So you want dead things, but dead things that look like they've been dead for fucking ages. So dead things that have been dead long enough that people didn't care about the dead things. Exactly. So like when oh. you're wearing a fur and they're like, is that real fur? And you're like, yeah, but it was my nan's. And they're like, that's fine. She killed it, not you. Fine. Yeah. Got it. That mink would be dead of natural causes anyway. Yeah. Mm. Uh, next on the list is cowboy inspired looks. Like, really? No. I'm, no, I'm not no, doing it. don't want denim fringe no. or cow print. But cowboys live in hot countries. No, I don't want to be Madonna in the Tell Me video or Bewitched. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't really know what a winter cowboy look would look like, really. Mm. I think it's that kind of pony skin leather. Do you know what I mean? I'd uh, have that in a handbag. It'd be nice. <laughs> right, and um, we've got two more on the, on the trend list. Uh, the next is couch florals. Okay. So like that 70s nan couch like floral. F- just flowery nasty material kind of pastely brownie oh. Yeah. oh so I should just go down to Brick Lane buy a chair and cut it up into like a skirt yeah, yeah into a nice little shift dress you've got the figure for a shift dress as well alright I'll so, take yeah. that fine look like an old couch maybe someone will sit on me yeah <laughs> on your face <laughs> <laughs> and lastly we have uh, something called Russian doll vibes which is clearly what we used to call peasant inspired I see but then naming a dress after a social class stopped being allowed right, right. Sure. like yeah. gypsy skirts gypsy yeah. skirts yeah. yeah just a fine thing or white yeah. beaters 70s. yeah why is that still allowed <laughs> why is that that's allowed, allowed is it povo pants <laughs> Well, that's exciting. So that's five trends that we can all wear in order to look smart and sophisticated and in order to not be seen by men or be seen, as the case may be. Mm, Whatever you prefer. Well, guys, that's the end of this week's episode. I hope your sandwich made of keys underwater is as delicious as ours was. I lost some teeth, but it was worth it. (laughs) 
And remember, 15 divided by 3 is 5. So you should leave a five-star review for all three of us on our iTunes. Yes, please. Thank you. Thank you to Harry Harris for our jingles, Gavin Day for our logo, and Soho Radio for our recording space. And thank you for listening, if you've left a review. Why not listen to this episode 15 times? Good for our numbers. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.